listening to the Long Hollow Young Adults Podcast. We are the Young Adults Ministry at Long Hollow Church, located in Hendersonville, Tennessee. If you are interested in learning more about us or looking to attend one of our gatherings, you can follow us on Instagram at LHYoungAdults or visit longhollow.com for more information. And now, a message from our Young Adults Pastor, Dylan Young. This life in light of God is full of meaning. Everything you do is full of meaning when we do it in light of a God who is there and in control and who loves us. Um, and that's, that's where we're finishing up tonight. Um, I do know some of you are excited Ecclesiastes is ending. Some of you that have more bubbly personalities, I get it. Like this has probably not been, uh, probably hadn't been your thing, but um, I've also heard from a lot of you that this is maybe your favorite book of the Bible. Um, I, don't, I don't know uh, what that says about you, but man, I'm, uh, I'm glad that we have gotten to go through this study together, and I hope that it has been meaningful and fruitful for you as well. And I, I do want to encourage you, if you've, if you've missed some of this series, go back and listen to it on the podcast. And we have that available now, and that's a really good resource for us to have to, to be able to soak up and catch up on everything that we've talked about so far this year. Um, but tonight, we get to reap the benefits of everything that we've done so far, of all the time that we've spent in what honestly is a tough book to, to wrap our minds around. It takes a lot of time to sit in it and to wrestle with everything it says. And, and tonight we get to reap the benefits of those things and to celebrate this life that is full of meaning. Um, and as we, go, as we go into tonight, we're gonna look at literally what your Bible probably calls the conclusion of the matter in chapter 12. Um, and I would remind you as we, as we get going, the person who actually penned this book, who actually put it in writing, it's not necessarily the one who said all that stuff. There was, there was a writer taking down the words of the teacher. Now, those could be the same people and he's just writing in a particular way, but the person who wrote these books gives us his reflection on everything that the teacher has said up to this point. And that is where we find ourselves at the end of Ecclesiastes in chapter 12. And what we're gonna see tonight is, uh, is really two parts. One is that we need to have a perspective shift, maybe, on our life, um, to acknowledge that God is the one in control. And then we need to see how do we live in light of that perspective shift that we make. And really tonight, I hope you walk away able to enjoy the life that you have, actually enjoying the life that God has given you, rather than just wondering about and thinking about what you thought life was going to look like. If we want to let go of control of what we thought life might have been, what we think it should be to actually enjoy the life God has given us. And let's see how the teacher and the writer of Ecclesiastes get there. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 9. Not only was the teacher wise, but also he imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs the teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. It's, a goat. It's, it's pushing us a certain direction. That's what the teacher's words have been doing for us. Verse 12, be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Here's where we're going to spend our time tonight. Verse 13, now, all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, 
whether it is good or evil. I want to read verse 13 to you again. Here, here's, the, here's the perspective shift that maybe you need to have tonight. The conclusion of the matter is this, fear God and keep his commandments. Is it really that simple? Like at the end of this crazy book of Ecclesiastes, at the end of 12 chapters of him writing out this life that is, feels like the very definition of someone being in their feelings, right? Like, is it really that simple? Just fear God and keep his commandments. And I think the cool thing is it really is that simple. It really is that simple. That, that's how we live our life because this whole book has been about perspective. He's forcing us to ask this question, how am I actually gonna view this life that I have? Like, am I gonna view it from this under the sun perspective that we talked about, that this is all there is. This is life, this is it, this is all we get. We need to make the most of it and, and can get all we get and can all we get, right? Can all we can, I don't, that's Pastor Robbie saying. This is all there is in life. That we can have that perspective or we can take the teacher's advice and say, no, no, there's more to this. There's gotta be a God out there who is in control there's got to be life beyond the sun, if you will. And his ways are higher than our ways. And life is not always going to make sense, but I trust the God who is in control. Now, as you, as you think about this phrase, keep God and fear, and fear God and keep his commandments, you can kind of think about those. This is how I've been thinking about those two phrases. So fear God, I think we can simply think of it as a, acknowledging that God's in control. Like, he's God, I'm not. God's in control. That's how we can think about that tonight and then keep his commandments is simply this. If that's true, I'm also going to trust that God is good and that if he's good, I want to live life the way he wants me to live it. I trust that God's in control and that he's good. So I want to live the way he wants me to live and that is a totally different perspective than where the teacher starts at the very beginning of Ecclesiastes. If you remember back all the way in chapter one, verse two, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. It's that word picture that we talked about the very first week, hevel, hevel, your life is a vapor, it's this, it's a mist, it's here today, it's gone tomorrow. And if that is the perspective you want to have, here are your conclusions. Success is meaningless. Death is meaningless. Time is meaningless. Wisdom is meaningless. Justice is meaningless. Everything is meaningless under the sun. So you can have that perspective. You're free to do that. But just know if that's the, if that's the perspective you wanna live life with, those are going to be your conclusions. That's what you're gonna wind up with at the end of life. Or like we said, you can take the teacher's advice. You can embrace the God who lives beyond the sun and you can trust that God who is in control. And when you do that, we're talking about this perspective shift. You can, you can have the same image, the same mist and view it totally differently. Man, my life may be short, but I'm gonna make the most of it. And I'm gonna live it exactly the way God wants me to live and trust him with whatever time I get. Let it spur you to action. Like that's a different way to look at that same mist of a life that we can view so negatively or so positively. Because listen, here, you know, it's, it's the perspective that 
Think about it. God give us instructions. He's not going to tell you, why would a God do this? Why would a God give you instructions for life that are going to lead you to a miserable life? God wouldn't do that to you. No, no, God gives us instructions. He tells us how to live in order to give you the abundant life that Christ talks about. He's not gonna lead you into a life that you don't enjoy. He's gonna lead you to a life that is full of joy. And here's the point, I think, maybe of this whole book, is the moment that you stop chasing joy and fulfillment in your own way, The moment you stop chasing that stuff is actually the moment you're gonna find joy and satisfaction. You're gonna find it in God. And the moment you stop chasing after joy is the moment you're actually going to find joy. And friend, I hope when you hear that, I hope that it reminds you of the way salvation actually works. Like you can't earn your way into heaven. And I hope that's something that somebody has told you before, but you can't do enough good to outweigh the bad that gets you in. You can't say the right prayer enough times. You can't attend church enough times. Nothing you can do in your own strength and your own effort is going to buy your way into God's favor, right? No, no, no. Jesus has already done it for you. The moment you stop trying to earn your own salvation and earn your own way into heaven is the moment you actually find salvation through Jesus. And that that simple fact of trusting Jesus is the key to your eternal life. And what we see tonight is that that fact, that same fact of trusting Jesus is actually the key to your life here and now as well. That is where the, the teacher in Ecclesiastes is ending, man. If we will trust God, if we'll fear him and keep his commandments, that's the abundant life. And y'all, it sounds, it sounds so simple. It almost sounds too simple, right? All I gotta do is fear God and, and, and live the way he tells me to live. But I think we all know Man, I know from plenty of experience, like God's been taking me to school on this this week. Um, Just yesterday even, like I'm literally, it's three o'clock in the afternoon yesterday, I'm literally writing this. I'm thinking about this message, I'm consumed with it in my head. I'm sitting in our home office, which is also, uh, we call it the chair in the corner of our bedroom. Um, We don't have a home office, I don't know about you, but uh, it's real distracting at my house sometimes whenever I'm trying to work. But Uh, In this moment, man, I'm sitting in that chair by myself. I'm focused, I'm rolling. Uh, Ford's playing in the sunroom by himself. Boone's taking a nap. Rachel's just left to go get a haircut. And my phone rings just three or four minutes after she's left. And she says she's run out of gas, like just a mile down the road from our house. And like I said, y'all, I'm writing this message, talking about letting go of control, talking about trusting God and everything. And so on the outside, I know I don't need to be frustrated with this situation. But man, on the inside, I sure wanted to be. I was frustrated that I had lost this time that I had set apart to work on this message. I was frustrated that I had to wake Boone up from his nap. I was frustrated that when I was actually filling up this gas tank, trying to fill it up, newfangled cars have these double barriers and I can't, gas is just running down the side of the car. Like I can't even get any gas into the car once I get there. Like, I don't know that I showed it on the outside. Rachel told me I didn't. She might've just been being nice, but on the inside, I was real frustrated in that moment. And really what it was is I'd lost control. I had lost control of that moment. I had lost what I thought that three to four o'clock hour was gonna look like in my life. And I'll tell you this story for one to show you, man, I'm learning this thing with you. 
Um, but I hope you hear, like, I, I didn't do everything perfect in this story, but God got my attention a little bit, at least, in that moment to say, Dylan, this thing that you're writing is so simple, that just trusting me and obeying me is so simple. It is simple. But man, you're not very good at it a lot of the time. We, we got some work to do, don't we? And I had to acknowledge, like, yeah, God, <laughs> I do, a lot of the time. I, I've got a long ways to go in keeping your commands and fearing you and trusting you to be in control. And I was glad I finally felt the Lord getting my attention with that. Um, I had to realize God was in control. Like he knew in that moment that that was gonna happen. He knew I was gonna be working on a message. He knew Boone was gonna be asleep when she ran out of gas. He knew the day before when I should have realized as I was driving home from church that she needed gas in her car. He knew then that this was gonna happen. So really in the end, it was my fault um, that, that, that this happened. And I only had myself to be frustrated with. And man, I, I, I almost missed being thankful for the man who lived across the street from where Rachel had to pull over coming out to bring me some gas and he had a funnel that could actually get some gas into my tank. Almost missed being thankful for that guy. Uh, and, and it helped me to shift my perspective. God helped me to shift my perspective to see what was right in front of me. Uh, a man who saw me and cared enough to come help. It helped me to see what was right in front of me, some bonus time with my sons that I didn't think I was gonna have that day. And we went to the gas station, we filled up, I taught him how to wash the windshield while the car filled up. And to a four-year-old and a 19-month-old, that was the coolest thing in the world. And washing the windshield while we, while we filled up the car with gas. And then we even went in and got some slushies inside. Like I, I was able to shift my perspective enough to make the most of a situation that I wanted to be frustrated with and by acknowledging, man, God's in control here. I need to let him be in control, trust him with this situation and, and, and make the most of it. I can actually enjoy what was in front of me when I acknowledged that God was in control of it. And now that's, that's a small thing. That's a small inconvenience, right? And, and I realize there are bigger things out there, but the same principle applies. So I, I wonder, how does it affect you when you lose control of a situation? How, how do you respond when things don't go the way you thought they were going to go? I mean, you can fill in the blank a situation on that. Because life doesn't go the way we think it's going to go a lot of the time, right? How do you respond in those situations? Are you quick to respond with a bad attitude? Is that something you need to check? Or are you tempted to dwell in your anger or frustration? And maybe that's even directed towards God. Are you tempted to just dwell there and not actually deal with it? I hope tonight we could leave with a shifted perspective to see that God actually wants to use those situations to, to shape you and to mold you into something that looks more like Jesus all the time. Because <laughs> when we shift our perspective, God can actually do that. When we actually let God use the inconveniences and the things that we don't uh, anticipate and the things that we would have done differently, when we actually let God use those, man, he's ready to. He's ready to shape you. He's ready to turn you into more than you thought you could be as a follower of his, right? It's... The, the teacher in Ecclesiastes, he, he has mentioned earlier, all the way back in chapter one again, that what God has made crooked, no man can straighten. And that's a frustration of his. But that's life, right? Like God is not, life is not this straight line. Everything adds up. Everything goes the way you think it should. Everything makes sense. It's not that straight line life. No, in fact, it gets real crooked. 
And we can get frustrated by that or we can acknowledge that God's the one taking us on the trip. I wanna show you a picture and I, and I want you to keep this picture in your head the next time you're in one of these situations where life feels crooked, it doesn't feel like straight, it doesn't add up. I mean, it's a picture of uh, uh, just a wall. It's a wall. I mean, it's something that I came across on Facebook uh, just a couple of months ago and um, it's, a, it's just a wavy wall. It's real simple. And it caught my attention. It's one of those ads, you know, pops up in your feed. I guess it worked because I stopped my scroll. You know, I know how it all works. I read the caption, and the caption said that this wall actually requires less bricks than a straight wall would have in the same place. And I'm immediately like, no, that's like geometry or something. Like the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. That doesn't make any sense. There's no way that requires less bricks. So I, I read further trying to find the flaw in their logic and, and what I found uh, in this just man, one paragraph was that this wall requires less bricks because of the curves actually give it strength. Wind and weather won't knock it over with just a single layer of bricks, whereas a straight wall would have required at least two maybe more layers of bricks in order to be strong enough to stand up against the weather. So why, why do we not see more walls like this? Like that seems like basic economy, right? Like use less bricks, you make more money. Well, it's because builders don't like building them. Here's why they don't like it. It takes more time. It requires more intricacy. It requires more care to lay each brick because you can't use a chalk line and to just keep yourself guided along the right path. Each, each brick takes more time to lay down and the foundation has to be wider and deeper for this wall. So my question for you tonight is, do you want the straight line life that always makes sense? Do you want that life or do you want the life that God wants to take you on that is gonna be crooked. It's gonna have twists and turns, but in the end, man, you are going to be strong as a disciple of his, and you're gonna have a firm foundation of faith. Which life do you actually want? <laughs> do you want the easy life that adds up, that's a straight line, or do you want this crooked life that God wants to develop you on? And I hope, man, you might leave tonight saying, I'm gonna trust God, which would, however crooked this life may look. I'm gonna trust him to grow me and develop me as a disciple of his so that I might end my life saying, man, I have a firm foundation. That's what I hope you might shift your perspective to say tonight, just acknowledging that God is trying to use all the twists and turns of your life to build you up. It's for good. Like he wants to use these things for good in your life. Would you shift your perspective to that tonight, and I would, I would beg you to do it because, because that's the perspective shift we gotta have, and what it leads us to is actually freedom to enjoy life. When you'll let this be your perspective, you're gonna find freedom, and here's what I mean by that. You, you have this freedom to actually enjoy life because all along in Ecclesiastes, the teacher has actually been showing us what this life can look like even in all the, the depths of it, and even in the places where it felt like we were way off in the weeds and we're never gonna get back. No, no, he's been showing us how to live a joyous life all along. If we will fear God and keep his commands, what does that life actually look like? One more time, we're gonna take a survey through Ecclesiastes and I want you to listen as I read all that this teacher has to say about how good life can be under the S-O-N, son. 
Here we go. You can mark these down in your notes. Ecclesiastes 2, verses 24 and 25. There is nothing better for a person than to eat, drink, and enjoy his work. I've seen that even this is from God's hand because who can eat and who can enjoy life apart from him? Ecclesiastes 3, 12 through 14. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12. I want you to notice some of the themes in these verses. You've already seen a couple of them. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Chapter 5, 18 through 20. Here's what I have seen to be good. It's appropriate to eat, drink, and experience good in all the labor one does under the sun. If you're paying enough attention, you can see where this night is headed afterwards. It's appropriate to eat, drink, and experience good in all the labor one does under the sun during the few days of his life God has given him because that's his reward. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. Y'all, life is a gift. That's what he's trying to get us to over and over again. That person seldom reflects on the day of their life. They're not dwelling on the good old days because they're so caught up in the moment. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. Chapter 8, verse 15, so I commend the enjoyment of life because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of their life that God has given them under the sun. And the last one, chapter 9, verses 7 through 9, go, eat your food with gladness and drink wine with a joyful heart for God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Like, look like a joyous person that follows God. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love all the days of this meaningless life. I wonder if there's some sarcasm there almost. That God has given you under the sun all your meaningless days. Brother, sister, you don't know how many days God's gonna give you in this life. You have very little control over anything other than yourself. And please hear me, I'm aware that there are some really, really tough situations that come up in life. I'm well aware. But if you will love God, if you'll fear him and keep his commands, and if you trust him for your eternal salvation through the blood of Jesus, man, you're free to enjoy this life. And he's just told us what it all looks like. And it's not, it's not this glamorous life. It's not the life that the, that the world tells us we should have, but man, it's a good life. And I hope you noticed the few repeated themes in there. <clears throat> the themes are people and food. <laughs> and we can all amen to those things, right? Life is good when we have good people around us and when we enjoy a good meal together. That's what he says this joyous, this good life is. And I think you would agree, there's something really special about sitting down to a meal with friends or family. Like, you may have that, that picture in your head already of what that feels like and looks like for you. There's something really special about that. And I think God is pleased 
when we do that, when we sit down, share a meal together that ultimately God has provided that food in front of you, we enjoy each other's company and we're not in a rush to do it. I think God is pleased by that because that's what we see Jesus do over and over again with people. If you've read the New Testament, if you're familiar with the stories of Jesus, you know that all the time, he's on the way to a meal, he's at a meal, he's headed somewhere from a meal. Jesus is always spending time with people and he's eating food with them. And I guarantee he's not in a hurry wherever he is at that meal. And if there was, here's what I want you to hear about Jesus. If there was ever somebody who may have wanted to keep control of their life, it was Jesus. Because he knew what communion, what perfect communion with the Father and with the Holy Spirit looked like. If there's something to hang on to, that's it. If there's something to clench your fists and hang on to with everything you got, that's it. But no, he laid it down and came to earth to experience this life with us and to show us and how we can live this, this crooked life at times. Because his life was not one that you would have like drawn up and said, yeah, that's how I want to end things, right? No, no, he laid it down and he showed us how to actually find joy in the here and now, in the moment. That's what Jesus did. Because if there was ever anybody too who feared God and kept his commands, it was Jesus, right? Should we not try to live the lifestyle Jesus did? It's like he knew Ecclesiastes. He feared God and he kept his commands and this is what his life looked like. And, and I've tried to think real practically for y'all in this stage of life, what this could look like for you. And, and I, I keep coming back to a few things. And the first one is real simply this. You're probably gonna hear me say this over and over and over again, but just put your phone down. And when you're with people, put your phone down. Even if they're on their phone, put your phone down. <laughs> you set the example. Maybe you make them feel bad for having being on their phone while they're with you. Just, just put your phone down. I, I forced myself to do it when Rachel and I were at dinner on Valentine's Day. She got up and was getting a refill or something. I was like, all right, the whole time she's gone, I'm just gonna sit here. I'm not gonna get on my phone. And it was a real long, like 90 seconds, but it's possible. Like, you can do it, guys. You can put your phone down and just enjoy the people that are right in front of you. And, and I've thought about it in some other ways. Don't plan the wedding of your dreams. That's gonna be so fun that one day is gonna be amazing. Don't plan that wedding of your dreams and miss the process. And don't enjoy your spouse and your family and your soon-to-be in-laws that you're planning it with right now. Don't, don't miss what's in front of you right now. Don't stress over the nursery that you need to get done before this baby comes and miss the joy of having that baby in your womb right now. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Don't be so consumed with graduating that you miss the classmates that you're in the room with every day right now. Don't miss that. Don't be so consumed with the, with the promotion and the job that you might have one day in the future that you miss the coworkers that are working right alongside you right now. Don't miss those people. Don't, don't dream about the perfect house on the perfect plot of land that you might have someday and miss the joy of being cramped in a little bitty apartment that God's given you right now. And y'all don't dream of the spouse that you may or may not have one day and miss the friends that you're sitting next to right now. Don't miss what God has right in front of you right now. And y'all may have realized that as you came in, but there's actually, we got 
We've got two really different phases of life in the building tonight. We've got you in here, and across, across the building is our 55-plus luncheon. That's the way they want to be referred to, at least. Um, We've got, we've got kind of two different uh, ends of the spectrum on life here. And there's part of me that almost wanted to say, hey, tonight we're just gonna go hang out with them and just ask them what life is like. Ask them as they look back on their life, what was important to them, what really mattered, what were the highlights. And I guarantee you, if we had done that, the stuff they would have talked about was people. I guarantee you that's what they would say. It's not gonna be about the job they had or the college they went to. It's not gonna be about all the stuff they accumulated. It's gonna be about the people that they spent time with, the people that they wish they had more time with. That's the stuff they're gonna talk about. And man, I hope that kind of gets your attention because that's gonna be us in that room before we realize it. And none of this stuff is gonna matter to us either. Like we're gonna be talking about the people that we spent time with. That's the same stuff we're gonna be thinking about when we get there. And y'all, clearly as of yesterday, in the story I mentioned yesterday, I've got a long way to go in this. I don't have it all figured out, but I wanna leave you with one moment where I think I actually got this a little bit right, and I'm so glad I did. And y'all learn someday, being a, being a dad messes you up, man. Um, it was another situation where I was preparing a sermon, so maybe there's something there I need to work through, but um, I'm preparing a sermon, and this one felt a little bit more important than others, which is already a flawed way of thinking. But uh, in this situation, I was preaching at a church and there was a group of people coming to listen to me preach uh, to help decide if they wanted me to be their pastor or not. So I'm a little more nervous than usual. I want to put more time in than I ever have before. Like I wanna get this sermon down so that I can present it really well and have them be impressed with me. And uh, so I woke up way earlier than normal that Sunday morning and Boone at the time, he was just a few months old. And wouldn't you know, he decided to wake up a little bit early that morning too. And my, my first immediate thought is like, oh, really, Lord? Like today, today of all days, this is the day he's gonna wake up early. Um, and, and thankfully, I was able to catch myself. Eh, better way to say it would be God got my attention. to Say, no, 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 don't miss out on this. I mean, and I want to show you a picture of just what that moment turned into. And uh, I treasure this picture now because I got to hold my son, just me and him, for probably an hour, maybe more. He's asleep in my arms. And I got to hold him, just the two of us, while I spoke the word of God over him, rehearsing a sermon, and hoping that some of this is sinking into him, maybe even as an infant. Man, I would have missed that. I wouldn't trade that moment for anything. Y'all don't. <laughs> in that moment, in, newsflash, I'm still here. Um, so clearly in that moment, God was way more concerned with teaching me something and getting my attention. I mean, letting me spend some quality time with my son. He was way more concerned with that stuff than with me getting this sermon down just perfect. That's the type of stuff that God is concerned with. And y'all, I'm just, I'm just a decade ahead of most of you, somewhere around there. But I, I just wanna say, just from a few years from now for you, y'all, the teacher is right. He's right. Like the way to live this life is to trust God in all of the crazy twists and turns that it has. Trust him and keep living a life that honors him. That is where your joy is going to be found. Man, when you live a life 
chasing after God rather than stuff. He's gonna fill your life with joy. And it may not look like you thought it was going to. That joy is gonna come from different places than you probably realized it was going to. But I just wanna implore you, don't miss the moment that you're in. Don't miss the people that are here with you right now. And I literally mean that right now. Don't miss this moment that you're in. No matter what else is going on in your life, don't miss this moment that you're in. Because y'all, when you, when you trust God, when you trust God with your time and your circumstances, you free yourself, right? You free yourself to actually enjoy the life that God has given you. And God, that is our prayer tonight, that you would help us to trust you God, would you help us just to trust that, man, life so often doesn't look like we think it's going to or how we would have planned it. And God, that's okay. Would you help that to sink in for us? That it's okay that life doesn't look just the way we thought it would. God, would you help us to trust you that you are in fact in control and that if we trust that you're in control, Lord, we're free. We're free to live a life of joy. We're free to live a life that doesn't get caught up in the momentary little bitty interruptions, but we're free to actually embrace them and embrace everything that you bring our way, God. Would you implant that on our hearts tonight? And would you help us to embrace this moment that we're in tonight, the right now? Help us to block out everything else going on and just trust you with right now. God, thank you that through your blood we have salvation that secures our eternity. Then we don't have to worry about everything happening right now. We can just enjoy right now. Lord, we love you. We pray all of these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.